make you feel great I can make you feel nice I can make you feel spice I can make you feel right I can make you feel loud I can make you feel glow I can make you feel... Hello and welcome to the fourth I Can podcast Welcome to the show I'm going to introduce to you in a moment one of my very special friends and guests who's hopefully going to inspire you. Well, I know he will inspire you because he's inspired thousands. But before we get to that, let's listen to the remainder of this gorgeous theme tune that I absolutely adore. Welcome to the fourth podcast, and I apologise right from the off. I'll apologise for not doing these as regularly as I anticipated. I had the first quarter of the year was the busiest I've ever been, and then all of a sudden the brakes came on for most people, and we're in this lockdown. So I thought, you know, during this lockdown, it might be wise to share a few words of wisdom. I've got a very special guest who I'll come to in a moment, but do you know what? Some people might say, "Who saw this coming?" Well, actually, I saw this coming. What do I mean by that? Well, I didn't see a pandemic coming. I didn't see this coronavirus. But if I think about my resilience workshops, where I ask people to track the ups and downs of their lives, one of the things that I talk about and I get people to identify with is when you do the ups and downs of your life, in, in the graphic that I use, we have a line down the middle and going from left to right, that's neutral. When things are going well in your life, you go above the line. Uh, when things are going not so well in your life, when there's a challenge or a setback, you go below the central line. So it's up and down, up and down, like, like the, um, the stocks and share prices. You get the idea. And what I get people to do is, I, I, first of all, I get them to look at every setback that they've experienced, every single setback. I include my own life in this. There's always a way back. We don't remain in the red below the line. We don't remain in the gutter. We always find a way back after every single setback. The death of my mum, prison, suicide with my sister, all those things. Yes, of course, some of those things are permanent. The death of my mum is permanent, but how I feel about it has improved. But the flip side to that is this. If you look at every success or period of joy or green on my on my bounce back graph, period of your life where things are going well, at some point... There's always been a setback around the corner, all right? It might be three years, five years, ten years, but there's always been a setback. So, yeah, I saw this coming. No, of course, I didn't have a crystal ball, but I knew that, you know, we all go through setbacks. And you know what? We'll recover from this. In fact, we're starting to recover from this already. But you know what? Around the corner, next year, three years, five years, there'll be another big setback, a big, another, another big challenge, which we will have to accept. One of the main things that I, or one of the first things I talk about in my keynote or in my resilience workshop is we have to accept things for what they are. Not worse than they are, but we have to accept things for what they are. When my mum died, I absolutely hated it. I wanted her back. I wanted things to be different to what they were, but that wasn't going to serve me well. And over the time in the children's zone that was there, a few months, I decided, she's gone. My mum's not coming back. I better get used to my, my new normality, my new normal, which is what a lot of people are having to do right now. When I went to prison back in 1997, so 
23 years ago. When that judge said to me, take him down, I knew straight away, I've got to accept this. This is happening. I can't do anything to stop it. There's no point in me crying in my cell. And I accepted my situation. But then I have to do what we all need to do when things don't go according to plan. We need to adapt. Adapt to the changing situation. I'm doing webinars now. That's all I can do at the moment. I can't do live events. So I'm adapting my offering. I adapted. I did one this afternoon for a recruitment company. We had 140, 150 people on the broadcast. I'm having to adapt what I do. I had to adapt when I went to prison. Sometimes the thing that you need to adapt is your thinking. So first of all, it's accept the situation for what it is, not worse than it is. But then adapt to what's going on around you, the change that's taking place. And then we grow. Or we can grow. You've probably heard heard about post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Yes, very. I think I might even have it because of the childhood that I had. But there's a flip side to that, which has come out in my research over the years, over the recent years, the resilience research. Post-traumatic growth, they call it. The notion that when you go through some trauma, some tragedy, some setback, that you, you will grow because of that situation. I grew. I think my em- empathy is what it is. So I empathise with the underdog. I hate to see people being bullied and I really, really detest injustice. It really riles me. And I think that I've got that to the degree that I have because of what happened when I, you know, when I was a child. If you know my full story, you've heard me speak or you've read my book, you know that I entered the public speaking competition at school, age 12, 13, and I, I won the competition. I only entered that competition because of what happened to my mum. And I used that as something to, you know, put things into perspective. Yes, I had a fear of speaking, but, you know, getting on stage could not compare to losing my mum to a serial killer. So that's what that did for me. In more recent years, we had somebody in our, let's say, our professional network. I can quote him because it's, in, it's, on, the, uh, it's, on, the, it's on social media. Simon Buckton. It was a professional, aspiring speaker. I tried to help the guy, but he was a liar. And he lied and he bullied and he cheated people. And I knew he did. And I got some a group of people together. I went to the police. And I, thought there's, and I remember distinctly thinking, because it was bullying lots of people, I thought, there's no way I'm going to experience what happened to my mum and let this guy get away with this. And I, he ended up going to prison for, for lying about being in the... In the um, uh, or going to war. He never went to war at all. He was a clerk in the forces. He was using that made-up story to get money out of people and sympathy. But, uh, but it was because of what happened to mum. I challenged him and found the courage to challenge him. So we grow in some way. What's going on right now is coronavirus. Aren't we changing how we look at the world? Appreciating our families a little bit more? Maybe appreciating the neighbourhood and the lack of interaction that we've had? Or maybe appreciating the NHS a bit more? Teachers and the work that they do. Anyway... So, so first of all, accept, adapt, and grow. And believe you can grow. And believe you can bounce back from this, because we can. I mean, life may never be the same again. I may never, I hope I do, but I may never, ever speak at a live event. Well, I might not speak at a live event this year. Well, I have to accept that and grow my online business. That's what I need to do. Now, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine now. Now, I interviewed this gentleman was it three months ago? Came here with his girlfriend. And I've just not had a chance to edit it and put it together. So uh, we won't be talking about coronavirus, of course, but some of the things that I think he talks about are relevant right now. So I'm sat here now with Steve Robinson. 
and he's a very good friend of mine. I've known him for how long have I known you for Steve? Is it must be must be fifteen years. I was thinking about this the other day. It's be fifteen, might even be twenty years. I think it's twenty years. I think it's yeah. ninety eight. Yeah, yeah, it will be 98. Over 20 years. I met Steve, funnily enough, at Salsa, a Salsa club. Now, for those of you that don't know Steve, um, you won't realise why that's quite, uh, well, interesting, shall we say. I, I don't want to give Steve's game away or give Steve's story away, but Steve, if I ever needed to have a speaker speak about resilience, I think it would be you. Do you, do you want to tell people why I found it quite surprising to see you at Salsa? What is it that you went through all those many, many years ago? Well, I can tell you what I went through all those years ago, and I can also just tell you what's unique about me, what you probably realised or saw first of all, because you didn't see my story, and you didn't know what had happened, but you saw a guy with one arm dancing around and spinning women around and salsa dancing. What you didn't know is I lost my right arm as an 18-year-old boy on the same field, by the way, where they found your mum's body. Now, that is a bit spooky, don't you think? It is, and we didn't know that. So Steve was brought up on what was, what still is, the Scottle Council Estate. You're still there, aren't you? I'm still there. You know, I feel institutionalised. I've been there so many years, but I just love the house where I live because I've got an open aspect and I see those fields and, and I just love looking at those fields and I look at them every so, day. So let's, let's tell the viewers or the listeners, what, what happened on that field? When was it exactly? So it was 1982 and I was studying to be a motor mechanic at Leeds College Technology, which was called Kitson College at the time. And it was the first day out. Oh, the first day back, should I say, after, after the, um, the, the break. And it was half a day. And I'd been out in the morning to school or to study. And in the evening, I decided to go out on my motorbike. And unknown to me, there was another guy out on the field that was a bit dangerous. And I didn't know he was there until somebody told me he was there. So I rode off in a direction to avoid him. But unknowing to me, I, I didn't ride off in the correct direction. And I rode off and I met him head on. And he tried to do a jump over the top of me and he landed on top of me and his foot peg where he puts his feet ripped my arm off in wow. a daredevil type stunt that he tried to do. And can you remember that? Can you remember it happening back then? Fortunately, I can't remember any of it. And what I do know of it is really hazy. And in fact, I think what I know about it is what people have told me. So after a while, you start to believe that that is your thoughts, but I don't think they are. I can't remember a great deal about it. All I remember is waking up in hospital. And what was that like? Well, it was interesting because they were saying stupid things that I didn't understand. Like, Steve, you've lost your right arm. And I thought, what are they talking about? I lost my right arm because I could feel it. I mean, I, I was in a lot of pain and I was strapped up with, with pipes and all sorts in, in the intensive care. But I could feel my right arm, although it felt like it would be twisted up my back. Oh, OK. But it wasn't there. So how old were you then? 18? I was 18. 18. I'd weighed 12 stone. And when I woke up, I weighed five and a half stone. What? I was oh, oh, I was dreadful. I'd so lost, you lost more than the weight of your arm? Oh, I'd lost, yeah, I'd lost three quarters of my liver. I'd lost a load of blood. I'd done other internal injuries. I'd lost an arm. And plus I'd been in intensive care for three weeks without eating. Wow. You could say you are in a bit of a bad way. You could say I was in a bit of a bad way. <laughs> One of your lines, actually, yeah. from your presentation, which I have heard. So you must have thought, so you were at college at the time, you must have thought, that's it, my career is over. It's strange, you know, because that doesn't really hit you until much later. No. Because the first thing is you, you, you're so tired and weak that you can't do a thing for yourself. So at that particular moment in time, you're just trying to survive. It's not until later when you're starting to recover slightly, you think, well, what am I going to do now? And that's when you realise all your job opportunities have gone. 
So what did you do then? Well, I decided if I didn't know what to do and I'd never trained to be a guy with one arm, the only thing I could possibly do was everything and see which of those jobs or, or things I was trying, I was, I was successful at, or to see what I could actually do because who trains you or teaches you in school how to be a worker with one arm when you've got two arms? The, the, you're never prepared. No. You're never prepared. But always ever prepared for change. Whenever yeah. prepared for change, it's always thrust upon us, isn't it? It is. It is. And I know a lot. Of, I know a lot about that, and I dare say there'll be more change to come for us all. Yeah, for, for us sure. All. So, 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 what did you do first of all, job-wise? Well, first of all, I trained to be a motor mechanic. So I worked as a motor mechanic for a little while, but then I soon realised that people didn't want to pay me. They just wanted to say thank you, Steve, and I got no money out of it. And I worked oh, and I right, worked, okay. and, and I did it for a while. But I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed doing certain jobs for people, especially helping them with the motorbike. Some people were really appreciative, but never with money. So I realised I was never going to earn any money from no. being a motor mechanic. So I moved on. And I did, I did rebuilding the motorbikes for a while. And I earned a little bit of money doing that. But that was still the motor mechanic inside. And I didn't earn enough. And I spent hours and hours. And I accidentally found a vintage jukebox. And I always wanted a vintage jukebox. And I restored or repaired that vintage jukebox. And when I sold it, I earned £100. And I did that inside a week. And I thought, wow, this is good. Yeah, well, back then. Back then, yeah, for sure. This was like 1982, 83-ish time. And I decided I'd be a jukebox engineer. So I started looking around for jukeboxes and buying and selling jukeboxes and one-armed bandits. One-armed bandits. Because yeah, I, uh, I know you now, we've become very good friends. I, I know you've got a collection of one-armed bandits. I am. Who, how ironic that a one-armed man would collect one-armed bandits. How many have you got? I've got about 20, 21, 22, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Somewhere between 20 and 22. In actual fact, do you remember the CBs? The what? Oh, CB Did you ever do CB radio? I didn't, know. My handle was the one-armed bandit. Was it? There yeah, you go. There you go. Like Smokey and the bandit. So, so, so you still... You're still Restoring jukeboxes now, aren't you? I'm still restoring jukeboxes now, and I've recently started learning 3D modelling because I bought a 3D printer, which means I can reproduce a lot of the parts that are difficult to reproduce in engineering. Sure. And, wow, that's super interesting. So, what, how, how, how do you earn your money? How do I earn my money? I earn my money as a speaker. Of course, yeah. And I really enjoy that. And it's good, you know, I get to travel around the world, meet some really interesting people, but also... I was successful, I invented a digital jukebox and it was, it was a, a game changer really and it, it, it revolutionised the jukebox industry and I sold a lot of those jukeboxes and I ended up in litigation, that's another story, I ended up getting some compensation from that and I invested all my money into property, right. so I ended up being a residential landlord. At the same time, I still restoring vintage jukeboxes and vintage one arm bandits. And speaking as and well. And speaking as well. So I had like multiple income streams. Or a portfolio career, I, I think oh, that's it's called the, nowadays. Yeah, yeah. So we must tell them before we go, before you go, about Davina McCall and that fantastic piece on TV. The Davina McCall. They approached me actually. I'd been approached by the One Show and I did a piece on, on the One Show and that was great. That went so well that the Davina McCall show contacted me. And they said, would I like to do a challenge or a pledge on their programme, which was called This Time Next Year? And I said, yeah, of course I will. Yeah, well, what do you want me to do? Ride a horse round a field? Because I'd taken up horse riding because it was one of my fears. And they said, no. And I said, do you want me to land an aircraft at like five airports in five hours? Because I was afraid of flying. So I took up flying lessons and became a private pilot. And they said, no, we'd like you to do aerobatics. And I really didn't want to do aerobatics. It scares the life out of me. 
But I realised because of being a speaker, and I, I work as a speaker, and my story is anything is possible. And I go around telling people how they can overcome fears, any fear, using a methodology called um, exposure therapy. I realised I'd back myself into a corner, so I had to say yes to the challenge. So I did. And it took me a year to learn how to become an aerobatics pilot. You and did. I did an aerobatics display on TV. Is it on YouTube? Can people search for it's that? It's on YouTube, I think. They can, yeah. What would they search for? If they do, just do a search for one-armed pilot, Davina McCall, aerobatics, it should come up. Yeah, it was brilliant. I was really proud of you, actually. Um, but, and I know I've been up in the plane with you, which I found... Uh, actually, I'm going to say I found it frightening. Not because I was with you I found it frightening. I just found it frightening anyway. But to go up and do acrobatics, that mm. is something else. So uh, hats off to you, my friend. So, Steve, before we go, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Anything coming up that's interesting in the pipeline? My book's just about to be released. I, you'll love the title. Go on. No Arm in Trying. No Arm in Trying. Yeah, and it's about, I suppose, it's about the life of a guy with one arm. But obviously it doesn't start with one arm, it starts with two arms, because obviously I, I had two arms until I was 18. So that's on its way out, and I'm really looking forward to the release of that. And then where do I see myself after that? Well, I'd like to see myself on the largest, on the largest stage, some bigger, bigger venues. I, I'd like to see that. And I'd like to put on some massive, massive, interesting events. Sure. And one final question. If you, I don't know, if... There's people listening that are going through something, I don't know, turbulent, some big setback in their life, some, I don't know, adversity, like me and you can relate to. What, what advice would you give them? Well, I would say I was writing a, part, a, a chapter in my book the other day, and it was all about learning to swim with one arm. And actually, when I tried, it was really easy, but I really struggled with it. But I realised the struggle was in my head. Right. And the actual doing was quite easy. So most of us, you know, the problems that we have are in our head. Some people have got problems that aren't in our head, but, you know, generally. So the advice is to uh, get out of your own way and just do it? Yeah, just get out, get, get those doubts and those problems out of your head and just do it, regardless of your doubts. Yeah. Do it anyway and find out. You know, you'll soon know whether you can or you can't, and, and, and I bet you can. Yeah. If we ever needed a guest to talk about just doing it, you've done that many things, loads of things that we've not been able to include here, but um, it will be you, Steve, my friend. You're a huge inspiration. I've told you ever since I've met you. And uh, thanks for being on the show. And good luck with the future. Good luck with the book. Thanks, Richard. Bye-bye. Well, Bye. I hope that was just what the doctor ordered. Bit of inspiration from Steve there. And I'm so glad that I didn't post it when we met. And I posted it right now when we need that inspiration, that extra, in extra inspiration. So I can review a book. I've got a brilliant recommendation for you. Travelling by Train by Laurie Morgan. And Laurie, I came across back in 2010. She attended my very first I Can Speak boot camp. And she has, well, she's an autistic mother. And she's written about her journey called Travelling by Train, The Journey of an Autistic Mother. It is incredible. She's incredible. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but what she had to endure, the challenge of the authorities, that, honestly, and I... I completely blew me away and if you're looking for something to inspire you and also to get an insight into the world of someone well an autistic mother then i highly recommend traveling by train and you'll see my testimonial on the front cover she asked me to do a testimonial for her so i did it she sent me a copy and i recommend that for you well before i go i just want to let you know about my next believe event if you've been following me for some time on social media you know that i have a spiritual side to my story in fact wasn't it the 
was it the last podcast or the podcast before? I can't remember where I spoke about or I shared some of those spooky goings on. Well, I'm sharing three hours of those spooky goings on online on the 27th of May. Yes, that's right, 27th of May from 7 till 9 p.m. Wrong, 7 till 10 p.m. Bit of a break in the middle. So there's no reason. I shared it about a week ago. And it was it was very well received, and I've done two events, live events, sorry, three events now, but one online. Liz, who was one of the delegates, the testimony was this has been the highlight of my lockdown so far. If you go on to believeevent.live, believeevent.live, you'll see her testimonial, a video testimonial, and some more details about the event. I would love to have you there if you've got an open mind. Uh, it's one. It's inspirational. It's not my story. Well, it is some of my story, but it's it's not. It's beyond far beyond my story. We're talking about those really spooky goings on, those synchronistic moments that I believe confirm that when our loved ones go, it is not the end at all. And yes, taking place on online. All you have to do is go on to believeevent.live and sign up. Uh, it's ten pound plus VAT for those three hours, and we'd love to see you there. Uh, I think that's it. And if there's anything else, I'll put it in the next podcast. And let's hope that I don't leave it as long as I did between now and the last one. So forgive me for that. Have a great day, week, evening, weekend, depending on when you listen to this. I'm Richard McCann. Lots of love. Goodbye for now. I can make you feel good. I can make you feel great. I can make you feel nice. I can make you feel spice. I can make you feel right. I can make you feel loud. I can make you feel glow. I can make you feel. the thing.